0: Marie, philosopher, entrepreneur, with almost 10 years of career and business mentoring under my belt. My purpose in life? World peace, of course, but in a slightly humbler fashion, helping people to say fuck it it. and free themselves from the stuff that keeps them from living fully. Get unstuck. Get unstuck. day, I'm so happy with all the feedback I received on last week's episode. I received a lot of finger counts, that's for sure. And it's so great to know there are so many creative generalists listening to this podcast. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go and give episode 12 a listen later on. Today, I want to focus on feminist marketing and inclusive principles and how I apply them in my business. The people in my life, my friends, my family, they all know that I'm a feminist who hates injustice, ignorance and who strives for inclusion in everything that I do. I also do active anti-racist work, or at least I try to, considering my own blind spots, obviously. And it's very important for me to make sure that all of that is reflected in my work. So although this episode will share my best practices as an entrepreneur, whatever your work or even in your personal life, principles that put forth equality and justice, in my opinion, are always sound and help shape a better and more equal world. So really, this is for everyone. About six years ago, I enrolled in an online program called Feminist Marketing for Culture Makers. The program was run by Kelly Deals, whom I'd come across through an essay that she wrote entitled The Female Lifestyle Empowerment Brand. And that essay was so pivotal for me and for the way that I looked at doing business and my work in general, that I still share it with anyone interested in online marketing. Now, the term female lifestyle empowerment brand was coined by Kelly to give a name to a toxic sort of performance lifestyle marketing that had become the norm in the coaching and personal growth industry at the time. And the messages of this type of marketing that still exists today, by the way, are all about living a luxury lifestyle, traveling the world, buying expensive designer bags, buying the clothes that fit with it. And of course, the allure of making a ton of money within a few weeks or while maintaining that travel lifestyle. Now, although this messaging and marketing looks appealing, because who wouldn't want to be living the life of the 1%, especially under capitalism, there are some serious issues with it. The first one is that it's a very exclusive marketing tactic to sell expensive services. This might attract people who actually can afford it, but it also attracts many people who can't because of the dream factor in it, which raises ethical questions about the tactics that are then used to sell those expensive services and packages, and the pressure that is put on people to invest quote-unquote in themselves when money is tight. What this type of lifestyle marketing does is sell a kind of life. It's about looking good, having money, and living a life achievable to only a few people. But none of that is inclusive. The marketing itself thrives on inequality. When I started the course with Kelly, I was really in for a hot ride when I stepped into the virtual classroom with her and my fellow students. It really was a deep dive for me into my own biases, my blind spots, my internalized capitalism and misogyny. I felt like I couldn't say anything right the first few months that I was there. Okay, I was the only European, Belgian one in the group. Everybody else were those educated American social activists and feminists. So obviously, I kept on saying the wrong thing and asking the wrong questions. And I remember one time in particular, we were, and this was in the beginning of the course, we were sharing some of our struggles with online marketing. Everybody was sharing what they were dealing with, with and out of a reflex of trying to do good, I started giving advice to people and offering potential solutions to some of the problems that the other women were sharing. At the time, this was such a normal thing for me that I didn't realize that nobody had actually asked for my opinion or even needed it. And a few days later, after class, Kelly posted a message on our online workspace saying we should listen to our friends without giving advice. (laughs) That was such a low point for me that day. (laughs) Of course, I understood that she was referring to me. But it was also the day that I understood my many biases and the concept of asking for consent. And that is something that I now cherish and really apply in my life daily. But that was, to be completely honest, only one of the many instances in which I felt I'd better have kept my mouth shut and listened to what everybody else had to say. It's in my nature also. You know, I love to talk. Anyway, I'm so grateful for the group and for the course. Everyone was super gracious with me, super patient with me. And I have friends that I've made in that in that class that I still talk to today and that I still connect with on a regular basis. So it's been nothing but amazing to me. And the thing is, you know, you might expect this from contemporary feminists. They will accept you and they will have compassion and empathy and still have a very strong back when it comes to what they believe in and how things have to be. But inclusivity is really one of the foundational values of the feminism that I consider myself to be part of. It's an intersection that I really like. It's the belief that solidarity through empathy and a common struggle including not just women in the journey towards equality, but also seeking to encompass diversity in all of its forms, really is the future. And that's the kind of feminism that I practice, both in my business and and in my life. Now, I learned a lot from Kelly's course, and this work really got me out of my comfort zone. You have no idea. As it should be. The course really showed me how to think critically about my motivations and intentions when I'm doing business and how to look at the broader impact of what I do. So it made me dig deep for my truth about what I believe to be true about the world and also examine if there is any disconnect between what I say and do on the surface and what truly motivates me from within. I realized that I didn't want my life or my coaching business or even any other business that I might run now and in the future to do any harm or to be misaligned with my values. And that's not to say that it wasn't important before, but just by taking that course and by being in that you know, context of feminism and really thinking about how we we run our businesses for a whole year I really realized that I could do things better so first came feminist marketing and then later on I added the broader concept of inclusivity um, to all the things that I'm doing and so for um Teaching me about inclusivity, diversity and equality, I owe a lot to some of my favorite clients and friends. And just out of sheer feminist marketing uh, values, I'm going to mention them here because it's important to mention our mentors and our teachers and we don't do that enough so I am very grateful to people like Hanan Shaluki, Sana Selami, Lubna Talal and Hamza Ouamari they all are superstars they all teach me have taught me and keep on teaching me and I'm so grateful to have them as friends and as teachers in my life. Now you might be wondering so what is this feminist marketing thing? In a nutshell, it's about understanding and respecting the needs of everyone in our society, including those who are marginalized or disadvantaged. And it's also about understanding that we all have different experiences and perspectives on life. Of course, we're all unique human beings and that these should be embraced as part of our collective journey towards social change. In my work, for instance, I strive to create platforms where people can come together around common goals, regardless of their backgrounds or circumstances. And I also attempt to always make sure that my resources and services are accessible to everyone within what I can do, obviously. And that's really what feminist marketing and inclusivity means to me. Sort of creating equitable systems for everyone. Now, how does that translate in my business? Well, in my business and life, I try to create safety as much as possible. You know, I'm a survivor of childhood trauma and I didn't have a safe space growing up. I had to teach myself how to do that through my own experiences, through intensive therapy and through the support of my inner circle of friends I also never learned how to build really safe and lasting connections with people. So that too is something that I had to learn for myself. So in my work, I also strive to create a safe and inclusive space for people to share their stories with me, their experiences with me. Really, whomever I come in contact with, I do it with a beginner's mind and an open heart, at least as long as I'm not hungry, not (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. But I have to say, I can get pretty angry (laughs) once in a while. And then there is not so much of an open heart and beginner's mind, but that's just temporary. So I'm I'm only human and and flawed as, as hell, but I do try in most instances to approach people that way. And it's really true that people will sometimes take advantage of me for standing in the world that way. And it's happened, you know, and sometimes... With things that I thought, oh my God, can somebody really do this to another human being? But clearly people can. So that's where prudence comes in as my spiritual mentor so beautifully puts it. But most of the time though, you really end up being rewarded for your openness with beautiful and lasting connections. That's, a, that's how it translates into my life. And one thing that's been particularly helpful in teaching me how to do this has been practicing the art of active listening, which involves really listening to what people say, not so that you can answer, but to validate their feelings and experiences. And it's about asking questions that help get to the deeper thoughts, the deeper feelings, the deeper perspectives that people have and then are willing to share with you. It's so rewarding. You know, in coaching, we learn to backtrack. It's a technique where you give back to a client what they shared using their exact words. And I've become quite good at it. And actually, I have my um, ex-husband, which I've talked about in this podcast previously, to thank for that because he's been... The one that I've practiced, <laughs> practiced it on in the beginning of my um, of my coaching courses and coaching education, and it's really amazing how you can just backtrack to somebody and you can have a whole conversation with someone. Now I've become really good at it, as I said, but sometimes I will still interpret the words of people and give them back their thoughts using my words. And what I found, especially in coaching sessions, is that that never works. It actually always, like you can literally see it on somebody's face, they will do something with their eyes and you know, like they will look surprised. They will look like, oh, you know, but that's not what I said. So when someone says anything to you, let's say they say they're stressed out, don't backtrack. Or don't reply or don't assume that what they're saying is that they're anxious or they're tired. Because that's just your interpretation of what stressed out means. And it's certainly not theirs. So if you want proof of what I'm saying, by the way, and this this goes back to my romantic relationships. Um, things like, I'll be home soon or yes, of course, I'll do it in a minute. You know, these things, they tend to bend like Einstein's theory of relativity. So anyway, what I mean by that is just don't assume. Use the words given to you. If you really need clarification about what somebody means, ask. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. And this brings me to the next point. <laughs> I make an effort to try to speak to people the way they want to be spoken to. Again, I try to be really mindful of my language when communicating. And I try to make sure that I use neutral words, such as, I don't know, partner or collaborator, rather than overly gendered terms. These are little adjustments that I do in the way that I talk, but they can make a big difference for making people feel welcome and included. And they also avoid a lot of little microaggressions that can pile up and make someone feel like they don't belong. You know, an easy way, and it's one that we hardly ever use, but an easy way to know how someone wants to be spoken to is really just to ask them. I know that nobody except for the feminist and inclusive friends and colleagues that I have, would ever ask me how I want to be spoken to. Everybody just assumes that because I have women features, that's how I relate to the world, with that gender. Now, in my case, it is. That's how I identify. But that doesn't mean everyone is the same. So I try to remain mindful of this by asking and using more gender-neutral terms when talking to other people, Or when I'm just, you know, not sure and really don't want to hurt anyone. Another thing that I do is that I make my resources and my services available to pretty much everyone. I try to ensure that regardless of gender identity, sexual orientation, race or any other factor, you know, people can actually benefit from what I do. And it doesn't mean that I'm for everyone. Some people will naturally not be interested in working with me, and that's fine. But if someone does, and I believe we're a good match, I will really try and support that person in achieving their goals. It's more important for me that somebody is actually coachable than anything else. But that's for another podcast episode. Um, another thing that I do in my business to you know, make it available for everyone is I don't charge more for people who ask for a payment plan for my services than for someone who pays, you know, for my services in one go. I know it's common practice in the online services world to ask more if someone needs to pay in several installments, but I've never understood this and it goes against all of the things that I believe in. Because okay, if someone could pay for my work in full, they likely would, wouldn't they? So why would I make someone pay more if it's already a stretch and they need a few months to cover their investment in my services? It just makes no sense to me and it's such a, I don't know, icky, capitalist sort of thing. I don't even want to go there. On top of that, I offer several scholarship options and even a few free series a year. Sometimes I'll also do exchanges with people where the labor that I put in and the labor that the client puts in is fair and equal. And I know these things on my website. And I also invite everyone to ask about it because I think if people don't know, they can't ask. So we have to be really clear about how we communicate. This goes to my, second, my, my next point, which is that I'm also mindful of the images and the stories that I use for marketing. So when I choose images and stories, I pick whenever possible diverse and representative ones of many different backgrounds, genders, identities. I try to reject stereotypical roles and images as they really don't help to move anything forward in society. I also try to include inclusive language in my copy and to explain my services in simple, respectful terms. As a business owner, embodying and championing inclusion is really one of the most powerful things that we can do to create a better world for everyone. Recognizing our interconnectedness and striving for equal rights for everybody involved. And this is so far removed from like the girl boss and the women empowerment sort of thing where, you know, women will will come forward in a very strong way. And I'm not against that, absolutely not. But it's not only about taking, you know, the power from someone else. It's actually not at all about that. It's really about making a more just and equal world for everyone. Last year, I went to a women empowerment conference with a few friends who are Muslim and in a crowd of almost 800 people, mostly women, The three of them were the only ones wearing hijabs and two of those had the same color. It was a beautiful like gold brownish color, really beautiful. Now, one of them delivered a really amazing keynote at that event, after which people from the audience, which were almost all white, came up to my other friend who was together with me as, you know, everybody was standing up and and, I don't know, moving or, or the conference was ending to congratulate her on her talk. Now, of course, this wasn't the same person. They were just wearing hijabs that looked a little similar because they had sort of the same color. That's what I mean <laughs> when I mean there's still a lot of work to, do, to be done. But also... This is all about blind spots, right? And it's all about being willing to recognize that we actually don't know anything. We're full of biases. We're full of... And it's not even our fault. It's also the way that we are... That our brain is used to look at things and is used to recognize patterns and all of that. So that's in there as well. But foundationally, I think we need to be more open to learning... And to understanding where our shortcomings are. Because that's really how we collectively can change things. Anyway, another thing that I do is I choose collaboration over competition. We can all benefit from learning from each other and working together towards our goals. It's so absurd to think that, and this is the individualistic society we live in, but that on our own is the best way to do things. I used to believe that because I bought into the whole, you know, you have to hustle and you have to make it to the top and you have to kill yourself at work, basically. But in recent years, when I have had new project ideas, which for a creative generalist with an activist heart like mine, honestly happens pretty much all the time, I look for ways to collaborate with others to create something bigger than what either of us could have done on our own. This year, for instance, I'm working on this super cool thing for fall with incredible people and we just had our first meeting and it was amazing what you can create when you come together and share ideas and want to do something together. It's just amazing and nothing of that could be possible if these people weren't there. It's like celebrating success stories, you know, no matter how small. It also is a big part of how I believe that business should be done. My goal is to help amplify the voices of those who are often unheard and overlooked while also trying the best I can to promote a culture of collaboration over competition. And I'm really willing and able at this point in my career to open doors for others, to pass the mic, as they say, to someone else who probably has a better understanding of things and even more vitality still in them than I do, and to boost their work whenever possible. And this brings me to the final point. Business is also about money. I try to use my money to support ethical and sustainable businesses as much as I can. Because with the money that I make from my business, I look for ways to use it responsibly and to invest it in things that matter to me whenever possible. There is this thing that Kelly made us do, Kelly Deals, um, at the beginning of the feminist marketing course. And it was an inventory of all of the apps and services that we used in our business. Now, I took the time to do that work back then, and now I do it probably every six months, more or less. So, so she made us research the companies behind all of those apps and services and find out if they had an ethical and sustainable business model. If not, we then had to try and see if it was possible for us to switch to apps from companies that we felt more aligned with. It was an eye opener for me. First, I also canceled a lot of apps that I was, you know, still paying for, but that I wasn't using. And then I realized that we're so quick to just click, click, click. And, you know, we're signed up for this new thing, but we have no clue who's behind it, what they're doing, what their values and their morals are. You know, so it's really interesting to not forget that your money is valuable and your money really can make things change. Now, I am nowhere near being a saint, believe me. I make mistakes. Sometimes I'm lazy. Sometimes I buy the thing in the plastic thing. And, you know, I mean, I do it. Of course, I do it. I'm human. But I will try most of the time to make choices that are as conscious as possible. There are great creative hubs, for instance, all over the world where makers from diverse backgrounds can showcase and sell their products. And it's products in, you know, all different categories. It could be stationery. It could be beauty products. It could be clothes. It could be, you know, whatever. In Antwerp, where I live, there is two that I really love, which are uh, Hup and She Did It Hub. And I'll add their Instagram accounts in the show notes, as well as the Instagram accounts uh, from my favorite feministic and activist people that I follow online. So I'll put all of that in the show notes. But so I try also to go to those places and to invest in the business of, you know, people trying to make a difference in their way and who have the same values and the same, um, the same views on the world as I do. Up, so in conclusion... Being a feminist, inclusive, marketeer, entrepreneur, it's really not just about following a set of rules. It's really a way of life. It's something you take with you everywhere you go. Because there are so many ways that we can act, be and use our resources to build a better, more just and inclusive world. And the point simply is that it's really our responsibility to do so. At least that's what I think. But before I go, here's this week's fuck it, let's do it experiment. So this week, I would love for you to try backtracking and active listening. When someone speaks, really listen to what they say. Try to understand their perspective. Practice some active empathy. Don't listen to reply. Listen to understand. And then instead of answering with what you'd like to say, lean in and give their words back to you. Then pause and watch the magic happen. If you'd like to take on a little act of daily rebellion this week, why not make an inventory of all the apps and services that you use in your business? And for each check if they align with your values, how they treat their employees, and if they're doing something to promote inclusion and social justice. And if you feel after doing that, that they're not a good fit for you, which often happens, believe me, when we look at companies this way, I would say go in search of an alternative that is closer to your values and your worldview. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed learning more about my approach to feminist and inclusive marketing in business and as always i would love hearing from you so don't hesitate to comment or reach out by email or instagram and if you find my work valuable why not leave a podcast review it really helps until next week let's be inclusive and build a better world for everyone together bye just a heads up, I'm not a therapist or a doctor. So if you're not feeling your best mentally or physically, and you need some help, please make sure to consult with a medical professional or a therapist.